Welcome to Sister Scriptorians, where we are devoted to learning, likening, and lifting others one principle at a time. Episode 66, Emmanuel. Hello and welcome back this week. I'm losing my voice a little bit. I had the privilege of being able to go to youth conference for the last three days. And I've had a summer cold and summer cold along with fun with the youth has sort of taken a toll on my voice. So I might sound a little funny, but I want to remind you that this is the last week of June. And if you want to be entered into the June drawing, in which in July, I'm going to draw from those who have gone to iTunes and given the Sister Scriptorians podcast a rating and a review. And I'll put those names into a drawing and I'd like to send you one of those Book of Mormon journals so that you can capture the the nuggets of information that you're learning here, but then also the inspiration that you're learning on your own as you read the scriptures. So I was recently listening to the concerns of a young mother, and she was concerned about the times in which we live in. Does that sound familiar? I think all of us moms have felt that way. But as she was observing the chaos increasing around the world, and then the decreasing of God's children believing in him, she was afraid of the environment that she was now raising her children in. And family members of hers were leaving the church and turbulence appeared to be growing against the standards and the beliefs that she held sacred. And she just couldn't help but think, what are her children going to experience when they grow up? What is their normal going to look like? And how could she possibly compete with these loud voices, not only of society now, but of her beloved family members? And how was she going to cut through all of that and direct her children to gospel truths? Her answer was to turn to the words of the Latter-day Prophets and Apostles, our Latter-day Watchmen on the Towers, and to follow their guidance and their testimony of the power of Jesus Christ. And as we read chapter 17 and 18 of 2 Nephi, we learn about the time period of Isaiah and the national calamities that were being experienced during this time. It wasn't a picnic. There was so much confusion being created by warring nations, alliances being made and then broken, threats of invasion and invasion itself. This was the height of the scattering of Israel. And we are in the midst of the middle of these Isaiah chapters where in the past we used to get a little panicked and a little overwhelmed. And so hopefully this episode today will kind of help to give some clarity to these chapters because I think these are the chapters in which we start to see names that are unfamiliar with us. I mean, I'm going to try my best to pronounce them, but I'm telling you, I don't, I don't know I'm just used to reading them. I'm not used to saying them out loud. And I think sometimes we see these names and we start to gloss over because we're like, I don't know who he's talking about. Because he's actually using different names for the same individual or the same group of people. 
And, you know, these chapters also, they have a whiff of a history lesson. They smell like a history lesson. And fortunately, I love history. And we're not going to get into a lot of the details, but just enough to paint a picture in your mind as to what is going on. But this is what we are going to focus on today. I want you to be thinking and pondering about what Nephi desired for his people and for us to take away from these chapters. Why go through the effort of engraving these chapters that were in the brass plates? Why go through the effort of engraving them on his plates? I think there are things in these chapters that Nephi wanted his people and us to learn about our Lord. I think when he read these, he was like, yes, they need to know this. And I think that he also needed us to liken this time period to our time period so that we don't feel so isolated and we learn how we can take these truths and get power from them and lift ourselves because we've likened them unto ourselves. So basically, there's the king Ahaz. And he is the grandson of Uzziah. Remember, we talked about him last week. He's the king of Judah, who started off following the Lord pretty well. But then pride crept in, and he went into the temple to burn incense. And because that was something he was not ordained to do, God cursed him with leprosy. And he had leprosy until he died. And so now his grandson is king. And just another sidebar, Isaiah, remember, was called to be a prophet in the year that Uzziah died. And so now this is Isaiah's second king he's working with. He worked with Jotham, who was the father of Ahaz, and now he's working with Ahaz. And there's a rumbling of war going all around. And everyone is scared of the big guy in the neighborhood. And that big guy is known as Assyria. So we're going to be having a Syria who's the big guy, and then there's Syria. So with an A, with an S. So don't confuse the two. Remember, Israel is split into two kingdoms at this time. There's Israel and there's Judah, and they're split for a reason. They war and they don't like each other. And Israel has her capital in Samaria, and she's also referred to by Isaiah as Ephraim which is her tribal name. And we have the kingdom of Judah, which is also her tribal name. And her capital is in Jerusalem. And that's where we find King Ahaz. And the king of Israel is named Pekah. And in the first verses of chapter 17, Isaiah is telling us that there is an alliance between Israel and Syria happening. That the king of Syria being named Rezin and Israel have actually attempted to prevail over Jerusalem or the kingdom of Judah, but they didn't succeed. They were able to make some headway in the surrounding areas, but they weren't able to prevail over the capital. And the Lord spoke to Isaiah, revealing to Isaiah a message that he desired for him to take to King Ahaz. And the message was this, Take heed and be quiet. Fear not neither be faint-hearted. The Lord likened Pekah, king of Israel, and Rezin, king of Syria, as two tails of smoking firebrands, 
or in more familiar language to us, as two torches in which their fire has been extinguished and just smoke exists. No strength, no power, just smoke. The plan of these two kings was revealed to King Ahaz. They had made an alliance together and were attempting to intimidate the kingdom of Judah and make a breach within their defenses and I also assume within their solidarity so that they could place a king of their choosing on the throne, a king that would do their will. And the king of their choosing was Syrian. So he was going to be an invader to Judah and also someone who would do the will of these two nations, what these two nations desired, and not what was in the best interest of the people of Judah. And by the way, what was their will? What did they want? They desired the strength of Judah to help defend themselves against Assyria. And while all of this is going on, Judah is contemplating making an alliance with Assyria, thinking that will protect her. And what the Lord wanted to counsel Ahaz about, and I'm just going to do a spoiler alert, he didn't take the counsel. But what the Lord wanted to counsel him about was don't make an alliance with anyone. Make an alliance with me. I got this. I can protect you because I want what is best for you. The deal that Israel and Syria are making, it won't stand. It won't come to pass. In fact, these nations aren't going to stand. Remember the Lord told Ahaz that they are smoking firebrands. They have no strength, but the Lord does. Rely on the Lord's strength. But Ahaz wasn't convinced by Isaiah's words. And I imagine that Ahaz felt like he had some pretty good intelligence or evidence that showed him that he needed to make an alliance with someone powerful. Unfortunately, he didn't see God as that someone. He saw it in Assyria. And these chapters, these two chapters, it has so much in them that we're not going to cover today. But they have predictions of Syria, or it's also referred to as Damascus. It has predictions of their destruction by Assyria. They're going to get pounded. It contains the prophecy of the fall of Israel and their scattering by the Assyrians as well. It even gives a time frame as to when this is going to happen. Isaiah says within three score and five years, or in other words, within 65 years, Israel will be defeated and fall. We're given the names of Isaiah's sons, which I am not... (laughs) going to attempt to pronounce on this podcast, but we're given their names and their names contain prophecies within the meaning of their names. So it's so cool. So every time that the Lord says, hey, take this son to go talk to the king or to these people, well, all Isaiah has to do is take this son, introduce his son, and the people or the king receive a full message, a full prophecy as a warning as to what is to come, all in their name. Isaiah reveals how well the Lord knows his people. He knows that instead of being drawn to the calm, soft, and healing waters of Shiloh, which represent God, they prefer the strong waters of a river, 
or in other words, the king of Assyria. But the most impactful prophecy which Isaiah gives King Ahaz as a sign is, Behold, a virgin shall conceive and shall bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. This prophecy, which is preserved and testified of by the Apostle Matthew as being fulfilled through the birth of Jesus Christ, also preserves the promise in the name Emmanuel, meaning God with us. Now, in my attempt to quickly narrate the events surrounding this prophecy, I glided over beautiful counsel by our Lord Emmanuel. God with us said this to Ahaz, and I believe it is the message that Nephi wanted to preserve for his people and for us today. It is the message that is echoed by our prophets. It's the message that the young mother is putting her faith in. God with us said, take heed and be quiet. Fear not, neither be faint-hearted. Whatever is raging around us, whatever is threatening our peace to destroy, whatever is plotting to divide us and usurp our agency, if we draw close to Emmanuel or God with us and take heed and be quiet, fear not, neither be faint-hearted. These threats against us will not prevail. They are smoking firebrands with no strength. We, like the people of Judah, may feel that we have collected a lot of evidence against the contrary. We may feel that we must make alliances, or the word that Isaiah used was confederacy, that we must make confederacy with other powers besides God in order to protect ourselves and to find peace and to find safety. But the God of truth says, They are just smoke. The people of Judah turned to wizardry that would claim to speak to the dead to gain peace to their fears and grounding in their insecurities. But the Lord asked, shouldn't you come to me, the God of living, to hear from the dead? So I ask you, shouldn't we come to the God of the living, the God who refers to himself as Emmanuel or God with us to seek comfort in our living, our fears of not being good enough or smart enough or a failing or of missing out on the great things of life can cause us to live in scarcity or panic that our needs will not be met. And when we experience this, we can get scrappy because what we desire and what we're seeking for is that immediate gratification or escape from our fears. We will do just about anything to be assured that everything will be okay. And sometimes these things can go unnoticed, can be our little private coping mechanisms that we do. When we turn to things in which we numb out instead of turning to prayer or to God or to commune with him or to be quiet and still with him. Or they can turn into serious addictions that actually usurp our agency, that actually divide us and leave us subjects to their foreign powers. 
you know, things like alcoholism or drug addiction and pornography are some of the big ones. But anything that pushes Emmanuel out and welcomes foreign confederacies in should be avoided. Even our private fears, even our private fears, we can sometimes make a partnership with, can't we? We can decide that Emmanuel isn't with us and that our fear is just so big and needs to be coddled. It's so believable that that to believe him when he says, take heed and be quiet and fear not, neither be faint hearted. Well, that sounds not only unbearable and yet at the same time, awfully simplistic. And yet it is exactly the environment that must be cultivated for Emmanuel to reside within us. In chapter 18, the Lord pleads for us to not be afraid and instead to sanctify him or find him to be holy. He claims his place that if we are looking to be afraid, (laughs) if we're looking to be afraid, fear him. Let him be our dread. He is willing to be our sanctuary because he can be the stone of stumbling and the rock of offense against our enemies or whatever threatens to destroy us. Whatever it is, whether it is our anger or our fear, our addictions or other vices that are affecting our happiness, it can be feelings of our inadequacy or our appetites that we just don't know how to quench. Don't make a confederacy with them. Essentially, don't make a confederacy with the natural man within you or the threats of the world outside of you. Remember, they are just smoking firebrands. No real or everlasting strength do they have. Instead, make a confederacy with him who desires to be with you, to be your sanctuary, and who can be the stumbling blocks for your enemies and the rock of offense to protect you, make a confederacy with Emmanuel. Sister Scriptorians, how can you in the fast pace of life, how can you take heed? How can you separate yourself from the loudness of life and be quiet? How can you, despite the challenges you are facing, choose trust and faith in God over the fear that desires to consume you? How can you fortify your heart to be strong against the threats that desire to destroy your peace? Pray for the answers to these questions and then take action. Make it a great day.